Today's readings, we have a, a pretty easy, obvious kind of theme of thanks. When I hear, the, when I hear thanks, giving thanks, oftentimes I, the first thing that comes to my mind is thank you notes. Whenever somebody does something good for you or, or anything like that, like especially being in the seminary, anytime somebody does something or gives something, write a thank you note. That's been grilled into me. Like that has been drilled into my head by my mom. My mom, like, you will give thank you notes, you will write your thank you notes, and if not, you're going to have to deal with me. And nobody wants to deal with my mom. Um, but this idea of thanks, like, thank you notes are kind of a, of, a, of a lost art, in a way. Used to be, that was the polite thing to do. You write a thank you note for everything, and it's kind of fallen away. But I think the reason why writing a thank you note was such a big deal was it was a little bit greater than just telling somebody thank you. It was, just a, it was a little bit bigger. It was a little bit more of an act of the will to, to kind of show your appreciation. Well, I think there's something that trumps even a thank you note. And I would say if somebody would be to give you a gift, putting the gift to use is a greater sign of thanks. So what do I mean? Your aunt gives you a, a shirt that you don't like for Christmas. Wearing it anyway is, an, is a greater act of thanks than just saying thank you or writing a thank you note. Feel me? Like, it's a greater sign of appreciation by putting the thing to use. Like somebody gives me Super Bowl tickets, I'm gonna put those to use. I'm gonna make sure to have a good time with those. Right, because I really appreciate the gift. Today's gospel and our first reading we hear about this healing of leprosy. Leprosy is this skin disease that basically the person decays. The person kind of, they have some kind of like bacterial infection type thing that basically just decays them until they die. So in the Jewish context in their society, they're basically associated with dead people. And dead people are a taboo that you don't touch because they're unclean, it makes you ritually unclean, and separates you from the community. Well, in the first reading, we hear about Naaman. And now Naaman, we come in at the end of the story. But Naaman, he comes from Assyria, which is like the big city. Kind of got some prominence behind him. Um, he's got a little bit of pride knowing that he's from kind of this, this better place, right? And he's told that Elisha, this prophet, can cure him. So he says, sure, he has leprosy, but it's not a big deal in his culture. But let's see if I can be cured. Let's see if this, this prophet can give me new life. Being proud, of course. If you think about it, like, Naaman would have been like the aristocracy of New Orleans. Like, he would have been like up there in like the high ranks of society. So he'd have been rubbing elbows with the Landrews and the Bensons, living in New Orleans, right? And it would have been like him being, being told, come down to Thibodeau, Louisiana, and see the prophet, Andre. Right? Come down and see the prophet in Thibodeau, and he's going to heal you. So go from your big area to your small little podunk place, right, in his mind. He comes down, he comes down to, to Jerusalem and, and here, talks to the prophet, and the prophet says, the prophet doesn't even talk to him directly, sends out an aide, we can call them the deacon, um, to talk to this man, like this kind of high and mighty guy. 
and says, you want to be clean? The prophet says, you have to wash yourself seven times in the Jordan. Naaman being from this high prominent place is like, wait, I come from a place where like we have like big, nice, awesome rivers. Like I come from New Orleans where we have like the Lake Pontchartrain in the Mississippi and you're telling me to go wash myself in Bayou Lafourche seven times and I'm going to be clean. That's it? That's not enough. Like I want to do something greater. And it's just very simply, no. The prophet's saying, and God is saying through the prophet, do this simple act. It's simple. And you'll be healed. So we come into the story where finally he decides he's going to do it. He goes and he does it. And sure enough, lo and behold, boom, he's healed. He's restored to newness of life. Because he followed the command of God and God is the only one who can heal leprosy. If God is the only one who can heal leprosy, and we turn to the Gospel of Luke, Jesus is healing leprosy. So if God can heal leprosy, Jesus heals leprosy, Jesus is God. This is like a, this is just showing a little bit of a glimpse, giving a hint that Jesus is divine. And in this one, we hear the same kind of story of the lepers being out away from the community, calling out to the Lord, Lord, heal me, have pity on me, please, me, a sinner, heal me, please. Leprosy was seen to be an outward sign of an inward reality of being sinful. And Jesus, he doesn't wave his hand. He doesn't say any kind of major thing. He doesn't do anything like rubbing, like rubbing mud on their sores or anything like he had done with in, the, in, in other stories. He just simply says, go show yourselves to the priest. Like the priests were the judge of if somebody was healed of leprosy or not. The priests are like the standard in this situation. And he just says very simply, go to the priest. Like have faith that between now and by the time you get to the priest, you'll be healed. Have faith in me. Have faith in my word. Have faith in my power. Very simple act. In both cases, they're not called to do any kind of great thing, any kind of big thing. They're called simply to wash themselves in a river and to go and see the priest. Seem like very, very simple, small acts. But greatness comes out of it. St. Gregory the Great, it's quoted in the Catechism, where he says, the visible signs, the visible actions of Jesus are handed down to us now in our sacraments, in our mysteries. So the visible actions of Jesus are handed down to us today in our sacraments. We oftentimes find ourselves where we're, we have this stigma of being away from the community. We're, we're, we're filthy with our own sin in this hopeless kind of situation, asking, hoping that God would do some kind of great act to pull us out of ourselves, to pull us out of the darkness that we've got ourselves into. No light, no hope. It's a pitiful situation. Asking for God to do something great. Asking, uh, like waiting for God to come down and just tell us, do this. And it's got to be something big, right? It's got to be like that big moment of like, like the, the Shawshank Redemption moment of like, Lord, I'm, I'm free. And he simply, he invites us 
to come back into relationship with him. But not through some kind of great act, but through something simple. Confession. Like this visible action of Jesus has been handed down to us in the sacrament of confession. We taste this. We see this. We're restored to right relationship with God. We're cleansed of our sin. And we're brought back to newness of life. We have a second chance on life. Or in a third, or a fourth, or a fifth. But, when we receive this, these graces of confession, when we're wiped clean of our sin, do we receive these graces with a thankful heart? Do we receive these graces with hands open and will, ready to go and like receive it and use it? Or, do we receive it ungratefully? Like, are we thankful for the graces that we have? And by that, do I, I ask, do we put those graces to use? Because similar to the Christmas present that we don't really like, we can receive it and hide it in a closet and never touch it. Never put it to good use. We can be brought back to right relationship with God and relegated to this private encounter with Jesus that is just me and him and it doesn't have to affect anyone around me. Do we... Does our experience of Jesus in the confessional, in the sacrament of the Eucharist, does our experience with him, does our relationship with him have any impact on the rest of our life? Like what we do here tonight in worship, where we hear the word of God, we receive the word of God. Like, do, does that have an impact on what we do out there? Our families, our friends, our classes the way we approach our personal prayer? Or is it like a gift that we receive and we just kind of put it aside and never open? Like, I think that would be like one of the biggest insults. If I would go to a friend's house and I would give them a, a, like a wedding present and I would say, here you go, here's your wedding present. And then I'd come back six months later and I would notice that the wedding present hasn't been touched. It hasn't been opened. There's this nice coat of dust on it. Do we do that with the graces that we receive from God? Like, do we do that with the graces that we receive from the sacraments? Or do we put them to good use? In a few minutes, we're going we're gonna to proclaim a faith that we believe. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty. And so on and so on. We're going to proclaim that... And it's, usually it's really easy for us to just kind of follow through and, and kind of keep up with everybody else and just sit, read the words that are on, on the page. Do we really believe it? Do we truly believe in one God, the Father Almighty? Do we truly believe in His Son? Do we believe that we've received and have been anointed with the Holy Spirit to go out? That the church is our mother, God is our Father. Do we live the creed? Like this is the faith that we proclaim. This is the faith that it's easy to receive here. But do we continue to uphold it? Do we continue to proclaim it when we go home? Like does this one hour of our week have an effect on the other 127? Or is this just a gift that we receive and we put aside?
Like this is the way that our culture changes. Our culture doesn't change by voting for one talking head or another who's screaming at each other. Our, our, our culture changes by an army of witnesses of the faith. By young people who are willing to boldly go out and live the faith. With reckless abandon. Who are completely and totally sold out and in love with Jesus Christ. This is the faith we come to proclaim here. This is the faith that we receive at our baptism. And this is a faith that we're meant to continue to exercise and continue to dive into every day. Let that be our guiding principle. Let that be, let the relationship, let our relationship with God be the relationship that dictates everything else in our life. And I promise if we do that, we're going to see change in our world. We're going to see change in our families. We're going to see change in our friends. We're going to see change in ourselves because we're going to continue to grow closer to him. Let the sacraments we receive not be a gift that's forgotten, but a gift that's opened and shared and put to good use.